Hannah Young, and you're listening to The Caring Economy with Toby Isnick, sponsored by Philanthropic Impact. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you are in the world, welcome back to The Caring Economy with me, Toby Usnick. Today I have as my guest, Michelle Meyership. Michelle is the CEO of Dress for Success Worldwide. It is the leading global nonprofit employment resource for women, which she joined in 2022. Michelle leads the organization's 145 affiliates in 23 countries as it continues its mission to help women achieve economic independence through a network of support, professional attire, and the development tools to thrive in the work and life settings. She joined Dress for Success from MLB, Major League Baseball, where she served as Chief People and Cultural Officer. While at MLB, she led the human resources, diversity, inclusion, and office operation functions for the league office with an emphasis on launching new programs and policies to recruit and develop talent, advancing diversity and inclusion efforts, and enhancing workplace culture. She also served as a senior advisor to the commissioner himself, as well as leaders across the 30 major league baseball teams and multiple minor leagues. Michelle, welcome to The Caring Economy. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. It's my pleasure. Such a fun career trajectory you've had. I wonder if you might give us sort of like a, a two or three minute digest of kind of like where you were born, how you were raised, maybe where yes. you were, how you found your way. It's funny when I reflect on my journey, um, it's been amazing. And I definitely am grateful. I've been truly blessed. Um, I am one of three daughters to my parents um, who raised me and my sisters in Long Island slash New Jersey. Um, we, we lived in both places as I was coming up and, you know, they were really, really focused on raising three young women who were grounded, who had strong values, who operated and navigated the world with integrity and mm -hmm. who really were respectful and appreciative of other human beings. So I literally have come through my entire personal and professional journey was just a passion for people. I love people. I love getting to know people. I'm curious. I like to try new things and go new places. So, and I, and I really attribute that to the foundation that they laid for me. And I really do think that foundation has played into the work that I've done over the course of my career. When I graduated from Rutgers, um, I decided that I wanted to go to law school. And I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do with that law degree, but I wanted to have an advanced education and law school was very intriguing to me um, for a variety of reasons. So I went to school, law school, and I actually enjoyed it so much. I tell people often, I probably had a better law school experience than I did a college experience. We had a great dean. We had great programs. We had great um, networks and community events that really made it a, a great environment to be in. And it, and it was a small um, school environment. So I was able to really dig in and make mm -hmm. friends and build relationships. When I left there, um, I ended up navigating my career in a place where I discovered a, a passion for employment law. Um, and I practiced at a couple of law firms where I worked as an employment lawyer in a both litigation and non-litigation capacity. Uh -huh. And what I discovered about myself during that process was that I really did not enjoy litigation. Now, mind you, I thought coming out of law school that I was going to be like the best litigator in the world. And I actually didn't like it because I found myself, again, constantly at odds, you know, bickering, fighting over discovery documents and, you know, 
just always having like a negative interaction with another party. I just, I really didn't like it. Yeah. Um, what I enjoyed, however, was the proactive work that went into my employment counseling, the non-litigation work, where I was working with clients and helping them either resolve an issue, um, think through a strategy or a process or a procedure that would help them with employee engagement, talent development, and things of that nature. So to make a really long story short, 10 years of that work led me to realize that, you know what, Michelle, I really don't want to be a partner in a law firm. I really like this work that I'm doing supporting corporations in internally with their policies and procedures. Mm-hmm. And what that did was that actually led me to navigate in-house um, to roles at a couple of financial services firms. So I worked at Merrill Lynch, I worked at Prudential mm-hmm. Financial, and in both places, I actually worked as an employment attorney um, and was able to do the work that I loved for those organizations. And what happened at Prudential was I ended up volunteering, raising my hand and taking on stretch assignments, such as leading the law department's diversity council. Mm -hmm. And it was through my employment law work and the diversity committee work that I discovered the intersectionality between diversity, inclusion, and talent. Mm -hmm. And I literally fell in love with this, with this body of work, you know, identifying, supporting, and helping advance underrepresented talent. Mm -hmm. And before I knew it, other leaders recognized that I had a skill set here And I took on the role of global chief diversity and inclusion officer at Prudential Mm -hmm. and spent the next 10 years literally navigating DEI leadership roles at a myriad of organizations. My last stint in that role was at Major League Baseball, where I was not only the CDO, but I was also the head of HR and the head of office operations. It was the same role I had before, but even broader because I oversaw and led all aspects of the employee life cycle from an HR and talent perspective. And I also really engaged on all things related to the operations and the running of the office during the pandemic, which was very timely because clearly we had to we had to adjust the way we navigated the world because of the pandemic. So our operations Operations HR and DEI sitting together made a lot of sense. And I was able to help um, the, the, the league really think through proactive strategies there. I actually think I kind of burned out um, because I was always in crisis mode, fix it mode. I actually decided that I needed to take a break and step back and reassess and evaluate how I wanted to spend the next decade plus of my career figuring I've got, you know, 20 good years under my belt. My youngest son just went off to college. I'm an empty nester. It's the great resignation. What the heck? Let me see what I want to do with myself now. So I actually took some time off um, and I undertook what I would describe as a great reevaluation. And I literally got a life coach and a career coach we assessed my career. We assessed my skill sets. We talked about my strengths. We talked about my successes. We talked about the things that I didn't necessarily love about the work that I was doing. You know, again, I had just gone through this exercise with this with these coaches. They had just disclosed to me, hey, Michelle, it looks like you need to be in a place where you can have an immediate impact. 
you really are a caring person and you love to, you know, really wrap your arms around people and support them, you really want to think about a place where you can go next, where the very mission and purpose of the organization is to take care and help other people. When I read the job description for Dress for Success Worldwide, it's all about taking care of and wrapping your arms around people who need your support. And the skill sets that they wanted for the role literally were the skill sets that I've garnered over the last 20 years. And as I went through the process and I became more familiar with Dress for Success and, and, and who we are and what we do. And I realized it's a lot more than clothing, which a lot of people only know us for. Um, I'm like, this is a full stop workforce development organization for underemployed and unemployed women. We help them get on their feet. We help them transform their lives. I actually get to work with the women who do this work every day. I get to see these clients every day. And now it's been a year and it has been absolutely incredible. I mean, a woman of color in a male dominated sport, I just have to imagine that at times you must have been sort of feeling like the odd duck, but clearly you you prevailed there and won hearts and minds. So what was it like? Yeah. So I will tell you, I actually never felt like the odd duck there. And it probably has a lot to do with the fact that my whole life, everywhere I've been, every space I've ever worked in, I've usually been the only one of something, Um, either the only woman, the only person of color, and a lot of times the only woman of color. I mean, think about it. I started my career in law firms in the 90s. You know, I walk into a room with all the associates and I'm looking around and I'm like, I don't see anybody that looks like me here. So I got used to that really early in my career. And and here's what I came to realize at that point is that my difference was actually my superpower and that what I brought to that room where I was the only one of whatever it was, I brought a perspective and a viewpoint that nobody else would know to know. Viewpoint and that insight, I could help whatever the outcome was that we were trying to achieve, very early on rejected the imposter syndrome and really embraced my superpower and, and always operated with the mindset of, if I'm in this room, I belong here and I'm not going to let anybody else make me think anything differently. So 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 that's how I actually you know navigated the career. And then to add insult to injury, I went and gave birth to three sons. So I live in a house with all guys and my boys will tell you really, really close with my boys and their friends. My house has always been the landing pad and I'm the mom that everybody knows I'm taking the guys out to dinner. You can spend the night at my place, et cetera. So showing up at baseball and being one of the few women in the room at the senior table, no, not a biggie at all. I felt right at home, very comfortable and was very warmly embraced. Uh, my mom has long since passed, but you remind me of her in that she had five sons. In my generation, what they called the Kool-Aid house, because the Kool-Aid house was the powdered drink. That was the house everyone convened at. The kids would come to the Kool-Aid house. My mom also loved it. You know, everyone was, oh, five sons, you poor lady. Oh, That's I love sad. that. It was just so easy for her, she said. One last question on the career stuff. Taking on a coach. Some people in a leadership role wouldn't necessarily yeah. share that, right? But in fact, we all need help and have had guides and mentors along the way. What was your process like? How did you do it? Did you have friends recommend someone? Did you Google it? How did you come to that place? I had I had friends that recommended it to me. I mean, I, I was dealing with a couple of different things. I was I kind of, you know, again, empty nest, third son's gone to college. I'm kind of looking at my career going, oh, my God, I'm 20 years in. 
like, have I done everything I wanted to do? And, you know, am I proud of the legacy I'm leaving behind? And it really just gave me a reason to hit pause professionally, but also again, personally, um, I actually spoke about this recently on the Tamron Hall show, you know, doing the work that I do, diversity leadership, talent and HR leadership during these really crazy times, it takes a toll on you as a, as an average human being. But when you are a woman of color and the world is going through, you know, a series of crises, you know, impacting black Americans, you know, black men being killed on the streets. And you, I've got three sons who are out there in the world that I have no, I can't protect them. Um, there's a, a lot of stress and anxiety personally that came with that for me. So I needed to take a personal pause and I needed to take a professional pause. So those coaches were both there to help me navigate both aspects of that work um, and really just reflect on self-care, um, focusing on, you know, the things that kind of accepting the things that I can control and not control personally with respect to the well-being of my sons and my family. And then professionally thinking about how I harnessed all of this energy in a way that would not completely further tap me out, but yeah. invigorate me. I'm, I'm an empath. Yeah. Um, so they helped me understand that I needed to, to work in a space and a place where, again, the main purpose of the space was to take care of other people and everybody's focus was wrapping their arms around other human beings. Um, and so that's what, again, led me to really think differently about, I'm not just looking for the right role, but I'm looking for the right place, right? That has a mission and a vision that is guided towards that, that caring Sure. of other people. And so that that was the process, but it, it really required me to do a lot of deep deep digging, soul searching and thinking about the next phase beyond just what am I good at and yeah. what are my skill sets. There was there was the the other aspects of it that had to come with that. Yeah, I, I think of that in my coaching and my work as the purpose piece. Like what are yes. I believe everyone is unique and on this planet to do something quite unique, higher level, you know, that 30,000 foot thing that always makes sense in the rearview mirror. And when you talk to your loved ones, they know that that's exactly who you are and always have been. Ladies and gentlemen, today we have on the Caring Economy, Michelle Meyership. She is the CEO of Dress for Success, which is the global nonprofit for employment resources for women. Um, Michelle, I wonder if you might tell us a bit now about Dress for Success. First of all, as you said, we are the global resource that helps unemployed and underemployed women get back on their feet, get to work and thrive in their work life and personal life. It really is all about providing a plethora of workforce development opportunities for women. Our footprint is much broader than I ever realized. I, I didn't actually realize it until I got here. We have over 140 affiliates in 24 countries around the world. Yeah. So in 144 cities around the world, every single day, we are helping women get on their feet. Um, the women that we support range in age from the non-college bound high school senior or junior or senior all the way through the senior career woman who is either returning to the workforce after a break wants to pivot, wants to career change, wants to find a new skill set, or wants to do something completely new, and mm -hmm. every woman in between. So during the pandemic, it was really interesting. You know, I came in as we were navigating this pandemic, and 
We had women who literally were, they lost their jobs because of the pandemic, or they had to take time off to take care of family members during mm-hmm. the pandemic, coming out of imprisonment, coming out of a homeless situation or human trafficking, mm-hmm. all the way then to, like I said, again, a young woman who does not have the ability or the interest in going to college. And she says, look, I just need to find a job. Help me find a job. So, so we help every woman with what she needs and we meet her where she's at. Um, and we offer a host of resources, again, around workforce development. So it includes things like career coaching and mm-hmm. job skills training, reskilling and upskilling. Many of our affiliates offer like a peer network, mentoring network. We have something called the Professional Women's Group. So once a woman gets a job, um, she can become a member of our Professional Women's Group, which provides ongoing mentorship, support, mm-hmm. and professional development. And then we also, what we're most known for in the market um, and how we were founded, it was all about giving women the work attire that they needed to go to job interviews and maybe even to help them with clothing, you know, as they were getting on their feet. It's become much more about the other offerings um, in addition Mm -hmm. to the clothing. I think the biggest challenge that, that I've come to appreciate that I never appreciated before is that as a nonprofit, you know, you really can only do as good as the funding you're able to raise will support you, right? So we, unlike corporate, you know, where you've got, you know, you're for profit, as a nonprofit, we've got to raise every penny um, to keep our lights on every day. Um, so resources are tight, resources are limited, and all affiliates are not created equal. Some are struggling more than others. So helping affiliates build capacity remains a focus in an area of concern as you know, they too have suffered some of the, the, the economic downturns of the pandemic um, and our worldwide office as well. And has to really be intentional about fundraising and development to keep the lights on. I think for the women we serve, the challenges remain very much what they were before the pandemic, but they were they're even intensified. And the biggest, biggest challenge, and it has been the biggest challenge and it remains the biggest challenge, is that women still bear the brunt of the caregiving responsibilities for their families. Mm-hmm. So whether it's caring for children or other family members, the burden of that falls mostly on women. And that often will pull a woman out of the workforce um, either for a short stint of time or a long stint of time. And then when she tries to come back, there's that gap that everyone's questioning and can't seem to understand. So we're still really um, trying to help women navigate around that as well. What's the best way if someone wants to help out, how best to be in touch with either you or with Just for Success Worldwide? So it's actually really easy. You can just go online to dressforsuccess.org and you'll come to the worldwide uh, website. And there is actually a drop down box there where you can find a list of where all of our affiliates are located. And you can literally find the affiliate nearest you to get involved. And if for some reason you're in a city that does not have an affiliate, you can actually reach out to the worldwide office here and we can we can connect you and find ways to get you engaged. We actually, during the pandemic, started an online community um, so that women could join in, even if they didn't have access to an affiliate locally or if their affiliate was closed. And that's been a nice way that we've been able to engage women, you know, virtually in the event that they don't have a brick and mortar to show up at day in and day out. 
Um, and we're always looking for volunteers to help us both at the affiliate level and the worldwide level. Mm-hmm. There are enduring issues you described, for example, women taking the bulk of the family care. But I wonder, Turkey and the earthquake, Ukraine yes. and the invasion, I would imagine you probably have uh, affiliates there. And I wonder how that comes into your onto your radar now. It's quite dramatic. Well, it is. I mean, so so it's actually interesting that you mentioned that because what we have found during all of these recent economic crises, the environmental crises, women end up showing up at our door for basic needs outside of the workforce development space, right? So to your point, when you're talking about an earthquake or you're talking about the war in Ukraine, right? Women are coming to us. So so refugees who are fleeing Ukraine are coming to neighboring countries where we have affiliates and they're saying, hey, like, I don't even know where to go to find food. Um, I don't even have, you know, regular clothing, let alone work clothing. And oh my God, where do I go to find a place to live? So we've actually found ourselves in many markets becoming resources to help women find their way on a much more basic life needs basis Mm-hmm. than even the workforce needs that they generally come to us for. And we're trying to find a way to meet that challenge. So in a number of our markets, our affiliates are partnering with like the local food bank or the local soup kitchen or the local homeless shelter or whatever it may be, so that when women show up to us looking for those basic needs, we kind of have a portfolio of resources that we can direct them to. So it almost is like the the the, the charities in the in the market have to kind of get together, join forces so that we can all refer women to one another based on their unique needs. That's awesome. I, I could envision you and two or three counterparts at such organizations doing either a panel or a Harvard Business Review kind of. I believe strongly in collaboration because these issues are going to take more than any one point of view or one. That's right. Talk about DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion at Dress for Success. I'm certain you have a very diverse uh, consumer client base, and I suspect you also have a very diverse set of staff and, and colleagues. But how does the issues of the day, whether it's Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, or all these things, how does it manifested at Dress for Success? So we actually take DEIA very seriously, and it is absolutely something that we are committed to. We ourselves. Uh, We pride ourselves on being a very diverse group of leaders all across the organization, not just at Worldwide, but across the affiliates. And our client base is, I mean, it is the melting pot of diversity. We have every and everybody that's part of our community. Any woman that comes through our door, I mean, we welcome everyone. So recently, we we actually just recently um, refreshed our diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility statement to make it really clear that we welcome every woman, mm-hmm. um, regardless of her race, gender, religion, sexual orientation, gender identity, I could go on and on. Awesome. Um, but we really wanted to do that. I will tell you, over the year that I've been here, one of the biggest issues that we've had to help raise awareness with um, across the affiliates is the issue of supporting women who come in who are on the gender identity spectrum. Because when you're on that spectrum, the style of attire that you may need for an interview may not be what a dress for success affiliate traditionally keeps 
in their career center, right? So we've actually had to have discussions with folks about that, do some education and awareness around DEI, around gender identity, sexual orientation, things of that nature. So we've actually been taking a very um, forward stance on that. And we try to be a place, again, of support for women who need us as they're navigating challenges in their communities, um, as related to any of the crises that that we're navigating. And, you know, if we're in a city where there is a crisis, we usually are there to jump in, again, coalition build and find a way that we can be supportive. I wonder if you have an alumni group on LinkedIn, for example, where you can keep that vibrancy alive and growing. We actually have a global ambassador group. These women will give you goosebumps. We literally have a group of women who have come through our program, you know, been successful, you know, gone on in their careers, given back to their communities. They're now leaders in their communities. They're volunteers for us. Just yesterday, I got introduced to a woman who came through our door. We supported her. She did her thing in her career. And now she sits on one of our affiliate boards. I'm smiling. I'm just thinking about also maybe not your clients, but their supporters and our mutual friend who introduced us, Carolyn. Yes, yes, absolutely. You've got those kinds of great women as well. Yes, definitely. Speaking of Christie's, um, I want to ask you one last two questions. One is about your corporate supporters. Anyone you want to give a shout out or tell us what, you know, ways in which corporations might step up? We have amazing corporate supporters, and I I don't want to call anyone specifically out because I don't want to leave anybody out. I wish I could list all of them, but I will tell you this. We've got some really amazing, longstanding corporate partners across all industries and sectors, um, and they are engaged in a myriad of ways. And what I love about it is the, the levels of partnership are not just one hit opportunities. It's engaging their employees and volunteerism efforts with us, right? They're coming in and doing coaching. They're doing resume, you know, workshops with our women. They're helping our women with their suiting needs, their dressing needs. They're helping them with their reskilling needs. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're helping them with that kind of network of support that I described. They're speaking on panels. Um, They're spotlighting their leaders and bringing them into our network. There are a number, a number of ways to engage. I think... Historically, again, people think about supporting us by dropping off their clothes Mm -hmm. um, or doing a donation drive. But what's really ironic about this is as we are coming through this pandemic, we had so many people clean out their closets and dump their clothes with us that we actually have more clothes than we need and not enough space to even store the clothing. Um, But instead, we have other needs. Um, so we always ask folks and our corporate partners as they're showing up, we, we share with them, you know, the various ways that they can engage and mm-hmm. see what makes sense. But it's generally through employee engagement in one form or another, meeting the affiliate where they are and with what they need. For those who would say, what about the men? What do you say at Dress for Success? I'm sure you get this question all the time. <laughs> so I would say do come support us. I would say that we actually do have several men on our staff, um, both at Worldwide and across our affiliates. And a few of our affiliates have actually gotten to a place where they actually support um, the needs of men as well. Um, We, and I've been asked this question a lot. I've been asked if at any point we will be able to expand to that space and perhaps, 
Um, I will tell you, I mean, I'm here one year and we've got a lot of work to do as we just celebrated our 25th year anniversary and we kind of build our strategic plan for the future. So who knows? There is definitely a possibility. But I would say for now, if there are any men who want to get involved, who want to volunteer, who want to support us, please do. We could use all the help in the world. Great. I love your discipline and your focus on your mission. It's it's certainly a part of the success. So happy anniversary. At Thank you. Thank you so um, much. So, Michelle, my last question is pearls of wisdom. Any uh, advice you might give to either our younger listeners starting out on their careers or even those who've been sort of disrupted mid-career by COVID or other things? So I would say a couple of things. I would say one is to build a strong network. Um, I tell this to my boys every single day. There is not a day that goes by that I don't say to my son, see, I told you that relationship was going to matter. You have to build a network and you have to strategically build a network, not just where you work, um, but outside of where you work and be thoughtful and strategic about that network. I learned a long time ago that it's not just what you know, but it is who you know. It's true. I hate to say it, but it is. So build your network. I would say also ask for what you want. Let people know what you want and what you need, because if you don't, people will make assumptions about what you want and need. Having worked in talent and having led HR, I've sat in too many rooms where the senior most leaders will make assumptions about, oh, well, hey, Michelle just got back from maternity leave. I'm sure she's not interested in that in that new assignment because she's got a baby at home. People will make assumptions very well intended, but off the mark. So let people know what you need, whether it's, hey, I need professional development. Hey, I actually am interested in, in a growth opportunity. Hey, what's the next step here for me at this company? What other jobs might you have to let people know? The final thing I'll say is to take calculated risks mm-hmm. and to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Because the minute you're too comfortable and you're like in your little box zone and you're not really heads up, you're missing out on opportunities for growth. So I think if you can put those three pieces together, then you will absolutely have success in your career. I know they they all worked for me. (laughs) Thank you so much, Michelle Meyership. This is obviously why you're the CEO of Dress for Success Worldwide. Wishing you another great 25 years. And thank you so much. Thank you, Toby. It was my pleasure to be here. Thank you for listening to The Caring Economy with Toby Usnick. Please share your comments and questions with Toby via Twitter at T Usnick or LinkedIn at Toby Usnick. And thank you for sharing The Caring Economy with your friends and colleagues.